2: Hour number two underway now at nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday, the 15th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. My friend Dave Ray from the Federation for American Immigration Reform has agreed to uh, push back. We're going to talk to him at about 9.35 so that I can, t- or 10.35 rather, so that I can take more of your phone calls on this very emotional and important decision, um, made by, uh, the state of Alabama as it pertains to abortion, but more specifically, the fact that there is no, uh, just like in Ohio with our heartbeat bill, uh, there is no exception made for uh, victims of rape and or incest. And this is a very, very tough thing for a lot of people to consider. Now, just to give you a little background, I started the program by celebrating and saying it's just a, it's a glorious thing watching liberals heads explode as life continues to win. We passed a heartbeat law. Georgia passed a heartbeat law. Now Alabama went further than the heartbeat law, just making abortion a felony, not against the woman who seeks one, but the doctor who performs one. Here is the way that this works. This is from The Guardian. Their explanation of it, I think, is a pretty decent one. This legislation is a direct challenge to Roe v. Wade. Backers fully expect this legislation to be quickly challenged and then overturned in lower courts. But the hope is that the case will ultimately make it to the high court and persuade justices to overturn Roe versus Wade federally. This is just a very simple statement. Abortion is prohibited. It's a crime, said Eric Johnston, president of the Alabama Pro-Life Coalition, a driving force behind the bill. The proposed ban goes further than recent bills, making abortion illegal at about six weeks when heartbeats have been detected. I think everyone is seeing the same thing here, Johnson said. There's a movement. It's almost like you can smell it in the air. The ban, which has now passed both the House of Representatives and the Alabama Senate and is merely waiting for the governor's signature, makes it a Class A felony for a doctor to perform an abortion, punishable by 10 to 99 years. Women who get abortions would not face criminal penalties, however. Opponents say women would be punished nonetheless by being forced to carry unwanted pregnancies to term. Supporters who oppose abortion under any circumstances say the harsh uh, penalties for doctors are appropriate. Quote, if somebody killed you in Alabama, it would be a class A felony. We're saying that an unborn child is also a person with the same meaning of the law. So what's the difference? Backers have also resisted adding exceptions for rape and incest to the ban. The state senator erupted into chaos last week when Republicans removed such an exception, leading the vote to be postponed. But the vote was held last night and it was passed. The bill was passed as written. The only exception made in the bill is uh, in the event of... Severe danger to the health of the mother. And I think they put the word severe in there, and is, in fact, is the language the word severe? Uh, let me make sure I have this, uh, to, uh, to be accurate. Uh, now I seem to have, oh, here it is. Um, it includes only one exception to allow abortions in the case in cases of serious, not severe, serious health risk to the woman. And when they say serious, it won't be up to just one doctor to confirm that. It would have to be seconded by another physician that there is a serious health risk. And I think they put that in there to alleviate some of the other states uh, where they say, abor- you know, they have restrictions on abortion, except in the case of just plain old health of the mother, because that can then be twisted and warped into mental health. She's going to be very depressed if she has to have a baby, so therefore she's allowed to kill her baby, her her health was at risk. Serious health I think is going to be more meant uh, in Alabama more to mean a threat to her survival, to her actual physical health, not uh, any of these um, you know, stories of, of twisting the meaning of the word health. Alright, so my question to you, for those who are just turning the radio on, um, is when it comes to rape and incest and a woman or a young girl is a victim of a violent crime of rape And she becomes pregnant as a result of that. Um, Should that woman or young girl be forced to carry a baby due to a violent crime that has been committed against her? Um, Should she have to go through the life-changing, body-changing experience of pregnancy and birth, even if she doesn't want to keep the rape baby, the victim of the rape, or excuse me, the product of the rape? Should they be forced to go through that? And then similarly... We haven't even talked about incest as much, but we all know about the problems in terms of uh, genetic mutations and defects from uh, babies or uh, the two babies that are born of, of incestual relations. Uh, and sadly, I can tell you this, from studying a lot of this, it happens more than you realize. Siblings attacking sexually their siblings, brothers raping their sisters. It happens more than you know. Um, what do we do about that part? Now we have the same issue with the rape in a general sense, you know, telling the victim of the violent crime that they have to to carry the baby to term. Is that the right thing to do? And then secondly, when that baby is in strong likelihood going to suffer from a lot of health conditions in the form, as I said, of genetic mutation that comes from inbreeding, should those victims be forced to carry babies that may not even uh, lord only knows what kinds of health problems they're going to have let's put it that way so these are some very very difficult things to ask obviously and that's why i'm asking you i don't have the answers today i'm asking the questions let's go to um jim who's calling us from lorraine and jim you're on am 1420 the answer thanks for your patience go right ahead Okay, and,
3: and I I won't go into too much detail about my own family. I am the, I'm a grandson of a criminal, but everybody that uh, was born and my children and my grandchildren are all wonderful. So, so, I just to get back to the 11 the year old or the rape victim, I think, uh, but the, why make another victim? I mean, that baby, he or she, Completely innocent, and, and I don't. I don't think we should try to pre-diagnose with their light, with their, you know, what their conditions might be, or mutations, or whatever. They're innocent. They haven't done anything. Why complicate the, the young victim or the victim, older victim? Why they, a horrible thing happened to them? Now we're going to put a we're going to slap a murder into the middle of the thing, and that's in any time. That's just It does. It's illogical. I think that little person deserves a life. It has a life, and it's not. And it is not the same person as the mother. We all know that. Any of us that just lived know that. Um, And I don't think it's ever right to, to to take an innocent life. And but I think the community, at the same time, what we can do. And do with a clear conscience without, uh, without exacerbating the situation with another, with a murder on top of a rape. I think the, if the community, the family, the financial sources should all be there to help this victim, this young girl or lady, uh, to get the psychological help and the financial help and also to. They do not have to. There are people who would
2: love to raise that baby. Jim, that you make, I think you hit on a virtually every point that there is to hit on. Uh, and thank you so much for the phone call uh, as to the reasons why there should not be exceptions made um, for rape and incest. Um, very, very well articulated. Very, very well done. The only response I would have that adds to the discussion from the other point of view is again to think about what we are asking or thus by law demanding the young rape victim to do they have already experienced one of the most physically traumatic experiences that I think any of us can imagine and that is the act of the physical rape to then demand that the the young girl, and again, I, I shouldn't focus solely on young girls. This is on my mind because of the 11 year old who's in the news that we talked about, uh, who who was raped and has been impregnated here in the state of Ohio. But of course, this applies to women of all ages. But but I'm just kind of focused on the the young victims right now, particularly because they are the ones who are the most vulnerably attacked. Um, you know, in the in the incest cases that we discussed earlier as well. But to demand that they then go through a second physically traumatic experience. And, um, I've been in, I've been in the delivery room twice, and, uh, I know the, you know, like anybody else does, um, uh, women know it firsthand, men know it from watching the, the women that they love deliver their children, the physically grueling, um, nature of pregnancy, um, everything that is involved in it, the body changes, and then, of course, the actual physical delivery. To ask a or demand that a young girl, a child still at the age of eleven, for example, to go through that when they were already traumatized and victimized once through the rape, is demanding an awful lot. And you say, "Well, the baby doesn't deserve to be penalized," and you're right. the un, the unplanned product of a rape doesn't deserve to pay the price. But should the the young girl slash mother have to pay that that Traumatic experience, price again, is is the question, and I don't think we can discount the health conditions you know that have been proven medically, scientifically, from uh, from inbreeding, from incestual conception. That is something that can't be discounted as well. Um, I I don't know. I like I said, there there are times, friends, when we kind of just have to throw our hands up and say there are some things that are just a little bit beyond us that are more, uh, you know, God is going to have to figure out. All I know is that there are no easy answers here, and that's why I'm asking the questions to see if you have them. And Jim, by the way, Jim did a great job, and so did this um, listener who commented online, hit me on Facebook. Uh, Decia uh, sent this message. A rapist views his victim as a non-person, a non-human. The victim needs to hear that she has worth, that her life is valuable. All life is valuable. To allow her to have her child killed is to confirm that some lives are not important. Uh, to allow an abortion is to give the victim a mixed message. All life, even the uh, child of even a child of violence, is a gift. And again, I think that's very similar to what Jim had to say. And it's very very hard to argue against that. Those are the the points that do need to be made. I'm just trying to picture, you know, uh, a loved one of mine, a child of mine, being the victim of a rape and being forced to then endure everything that goes along with that. I, it's very, very hard to uh, to accept. Uh, let's continue the conversation after this on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, it is 1025 as we continue the conversation on AM 1420. The Answer, uh, talking about some very hard questions as it pertains to incest and rape and uh, whether or not exceptions should be made in states that are that are passing some wonderfully, wonderfully restrictive pro-life laws. Where do we go from there? Charlie in Cleveland, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Charlie. Go ahead.
4: Good morning, Bob. So uh, I got to say, I, I 100% agree with your stance on the this issue on? as a result.
2: Yes. Oops, I, I did not know, but I thought I recognized the voice. Charlie Kalani, go ahead.
4: <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, so I 100% agree with your, your stance on the result of um abortion as a result of rape, but I because I could never bring myself
2: to face It's going to be hard for you to, to Charlie it's going to be hard for you to agree with my stance cuz I haven't taken one. I'm I'm confused. Well, I don't know what to say about it. I'm just trying to explain both sides very thoroughly too because well, I, Charlie and I know it's hard for all of us, right? I mean, right. it's well, you I, want to protect I get all I get life, your I get you your protect victims too. <laughs> I,
4: I get I get your um uh conflict. I guess yeah. would be a better way to put it because okay. I could never be I I could never stand there and tell a woman no matter how old she is that she should be forced to be constantly reminded of the vile, violent, and barbaric act committed against her for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. Never mind nine months. Okay? Right. But the problem, the problem I have is when it's used and because it's always been used to justify the other 99% of abortion cases. Oh, yeah. the, the, the other potential problem is the drastic increase of possible false rape claims. Made by women who got pregnant unsuspectingly, and now the only out that they have to get an abortion is to claim that they were raped. It's a claim
2: that they were raped. So that is that's a another.
4: Very, that's another issue.
2: That's a very very good point. That's a that's something that but, I hadn't really considered. The number of people who are going to use that as their as their excuse and say I was raped. Well, did you call the police? No. Did you? Are you try, attempting to catch them? No. Uh, right, but, but, but I just was happens
4: raped. to be seven weeks later. Right. Oh, right. you know. The other thing about that 11-year-old, uh, I sent you an article on your favorite social media Twitter app, uh. and uh, uh, it, it appears that that 11-year-old is a very rebellious girl who's having a relationship willfully with that 26-year-old male. She ran out, of, ran away from her house. Her parents didn't know where she was, and it appears to be more of a case of statutory rape than actual forcible
2: Rape which, in which, is, which is still, and, which is still, yeah, which is still rape, uh, right? And, and, and but the it's, way, and
4: it's, but the way they're spinning it, they're they're twisting it around to make it look like oh, they don't. and, and no, also, I,
2: I understand, and I did not know that, by the way. So I thank you for that right. information, Charlie. Um, but, and, I, but I, but my response would be eleven. That's it, eleven. I don't right, care how absolute, rebellious oh, yeah, they no, don't know I, what they're I agree doing. With you. They've been taken advantage of by by an adult, a perverted sick adult. They have been abused Absolutely. and taken advantage and, and and so on and so forth. Somebody who is eleven is just incapable of uh, of making, you know, sound decisions about themselves and and about what they are doing. So to me it is still just as, you know, just as much of a victimization uh because at, at 11 you just don't know what you're doing, but I am glad to know that this is not necessarily just like, you know, a Sunday school girl skipping to school uh, uh you know on a on a, it, on, a on a break the morning and gets grabbed and thrown into a rape van or something like that. So that is uh you know that is that is a, those are circumstances that should be considered, I suppose in that part of the story. Right, so. and the
4: law hasn't gone into effect yet. So, you know, right. they're making it sound like, oh, now she's, they, they are, this is all done and said and they're, and she's going to be forced to deal with this now. Now, on the other, got, hand, on
2: the other hand, if this happened in Alabama, uh, the you know it wouldn't matter because they're not doing the six week thing; they're just doing period. Abortion they're, doctors cannot commit uh, cannot uh, commit what they are calling the felonious crime of abortion now. So, in that case, a 11 right. year old would would absolutely have to carry the child uh, and 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 give birth to the child and with and with no other regard for any other circumstances there. Which you know is, is the reason for I guess our conversation this morning. So, uh, Charlie, thank you, my last... friend. I appreciate Oops. it. Great, uh, great stuff. It's t- Ten thirty. I want to get to the news. If you want to hold on to talk more about this, please do so. But I am shifting gears to a pre-scheduled guest. I want to talk to Dave Ray from the Federation of American for American Immigration Reform uh, because we got some news on our border issues. We're going to talk uh, to him about those, and then we'll come back to more of your phone calls on this particular abortion issue as we continue on AM fourteen twenty. All right, we continue now at 1034 a.m. 1420, The Answer. I want to take a little break from the conversation we've been discussing ever since last night's Senate passage in the state of Alabama of what many are calling the most restrictive abortion law in the country. We'll come back to your uh, your calls on that, but I want to pivot. I told you I had a pre-scheduled guest, and he's a great guest. He's a familiar guest. He's Dave Ray. He is the uh, with the Federation for American Immigration Reform. He's one of our go-to guys whenever it comes to the crisis and the emergency at our southern border and beyond. Dave, good to talk to you again, my friend. How are you? Doing well, Bob. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. It's good. You comfortable <laughs> being uh, back DC, uh, back DC way after spending a little bit of time down there on the border.
5: Yeah, you know, El Paso's a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to stay there too long. And so uh, a week installment was enough for me. It's always good to be back in the swamp.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they went from one swamp to another, I suppose. Yeah. Just two different kinds of swamps is, is really what it is. Dave, would you believe that only two, I mean, with all of the cable news, social media, talk shows, radio, and so on and so forth, Would you believe that less than 2 in 15 American voters are aware that the immigration levels in the United States are soaring as high as they are? Because the latest Harvard-Harris poll, I saw this on Breitbart reveals that when Americans are asked how many illegal aliens are arriving at the U.S.-Mexico border, only about 13% of them have any clue. 76% of them think that the levels are vastly lower than what they are. How can people not be aware of what's going on in their country if they have a television, a radio, or a computer?
5: Well, you know, honestly, Bob, if you're watching any kind of broadcast media outside of Fox News, it's largely not covered. Uh, You know, you have the Democrats who have, since Trump's State of the Union, been saying that this is a fabricated problem. Um, I think there's a change of heart on that. But certainly uh, you have a a lot of folks who think that this is nothing more than a ruse uh, created by President Trump and the Republican Party to, you know, squeeze more pennies out of the federal treasury to build a wall when actually it is a real crisis. You have the men and women of the Border Patrol. If you don't want to believe the politicians, believe the uh, immigration experts, the men and women of the Border Patrol are saying that there is a crisis at the border, it's a crisis that is unprecedented in, in U.S. history. I mean, I just watched a press conference with Senator Lindsey Graham, who w- who has a bill that would – it's the beginning of the process of, of addressing the asylum crisis from Central America, which is really fueling this whole thing. They had 4,500 arrests in a single day on our southwestern border. Uh, They they have 520,000 people so far this year. Uh, That number that this fiscal year that number is uh, you know shooting up every day, and it is uh, a humanitarian crisis. There is advertising on television and radio in Central America that if you ever wanted to come to America, now is the time to do it. Come here and ask for political asylum, and you'll be let in. And so uh, the the country needs to come together, if on nothing else, this issue of asylum reform, because this is really the jet fuel behind the soaring numbers. We've had more than 100,000 apprehensions two months in a row, the the month of March and the month of April, uh, that hasn't happened since 2007, so we are going backwards on this issue, and we need asylum reform right now, and the American people need to aware of the urgency of this problem
0: we
2: uh, we definitely need that um, Dave Ray from FAIR but um, I got to talk about Lindsey Graham yesterday I was praising Lindsey Graham because Lindsey Graham has done just a tremendous job of advancing conservative policies um, and and I know a lot of people point out that he really found his voice and found his uh, spine perhaps is after his uh, good friend John McCain passed away and now he's kind of free to think for himself uh, right. and I, have, I have trumpeted what Lindsey Graham has said for quite some time, including what you mentioned yesterday on his proposed border security bill and the right. rewriting of some of the amnesty laws. However, he also has added to that conversation now that uh, he is going to have to include in his proposal um, Democrat priorities. Uh, right. Which means, which means, it sounds like he's rebuilding the Gang of Eight. It sounds like he's looking well, for Democrats to work with to then, after we rewrite the asylum laws, provide some sort of blanket amnesty to between eleven and twenty million illegals who are already here. What do we do about that?
5: Let's 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 hope not at this. I mean, we know there's going to be. I mean, first of all, you can't get anything through the Senate without some Democrats. So they do have leverage. We need 60 votes. We don't have 60 Republicans. So they are going to have to allow the Democrats to have something. What will their price be? That's the question. Senator Graham just rolled out minutes ago a four-part proposal uh, would stop Central American Mm -hmm. asylum claims on the southern border. They They would be forced to apply for asylum in their home countries, It would allow us to to, to send uh, unaccompanied minors from Central America back to Central America immediately. Right now, 99% of them are being released into the U.S. and never heard from again. It would allow us to detain families with children for more than 100 days so they can have their asylum hearings. Right now, all of those families are being released, and it would hire 500 more immigration judges because we have our – immigration backlog is approaching a million cases. With that said, uh, all those are great ideas, and that is a four-pillared uh, approach uh, that, to use the analogy, it, it, it shuts off the faucet uh, So, because, the faucet, because we could put as many buckets as we wanted to underneath the faucet, and it's just going to keep filling them up. What this does is shut off the faucet at the source of the issue but Senator Graham is going to have to go through the, uh, the the hearing process. Democrats are going to name a price. What is it going to be? He just mentioned DACA by name. There's going to be – I would be stunned if there wasn't some form of amnesty. How bad is it going to be? Uh, I don't know. Do the Democrats recognize this is a real legitimate problem and that they're willing to act on it without exacting a a harsh toll? Or are they going to exploit uh, the urgency of this to try to push in a monstrous amnesty, that really remains to be seen, and it will be uh, political theater at its best, I can assure you of that.
2: Let me uh, let me ask you about Cuba now, if I can. Um, sure. David Ray from the Federation for American uh, Immigration Reform. There's a story by my friend Daniel Horowitz, a conservative review, pointing out that Cuba is the next illegal immigration shoe to drop, along with its criminal elements. And there's a there's a there's a full article that I'm going to tweet out and Facebook out so that people can see this. But essentially, uh, you know, we are we are starting to see more and more migrants coming to the United States from around the world, including. Right. from cuba uh... they are they are gathering uh... obviously in the central american nations that are kind of uh, putting the caravans together and just sending mm-hmm. them all up through uh... cubans uh... It, it's it's a, it's a particularly distressing story as it pertains to the cuban component of this and ap the ap published a comprehensive report on monday on the growing trend of Cubans accepting the invitation from our government to come to our border along with the Central Americans, and we're calling it, David, or excuse me, Daniel is calling it an invitation because until we get the asylum laws change that you just described, proposed by Graham, it's an open invitation to come here, uh, get set free after 20 days, especially if you bring a child, and then uh, be told to come back, which you never do. Uh, As the AP observes, 10,910 Cubans came through official crossings between October and April versus 7,000 Seven hundred. I'm sorry, seven thousand seventy nine in the previous twelve months, right? Um, and almost half of them came into the place you were there at the El Paso field office. So Cuban, right. Cuban migration, joining the Central American migration, and if you look a little deeper, really, the, you know, the rest of the world is accepting this invitation and all just coming to the same gathering point.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the word is out. And uh, there's an easy way to get into the United States. You don't have to wait your turn in line. You don't have to go through the illegal immigration through the legal immigration process, which allows more than a million legal immigrants in a year. You simply show up on the southern border. Uh, walls don't work in this instance because these folks want to get caught. They look for border patrol agents. They run up to them and say, "Arrest me. I want political asylum." If you have a child with you, a minor child, you're guaranteed to not be held for more than 20 days. I mean, the the, the laws this – is, this is our fault as much as anyone else's because we have loopholes in our asylum laws that are big enough to drive a Mac truck through, and everyone in the world now knows about it. I mean, what they're calling the mother of all caravans, uh, these caravans that have come out of Central America – one that's 10,000 strong is 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 now heading out of Mexico City it of course has central Americans and cubans but it also has uh, people from africa and the middle east so you know there's a big world out there there's 7 billion people on the planet and how many are going to exploit our asylum laws before we wake up but we need congress to get off of its hands the president President Trump has done an amazing job of really rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, but unfortunately, there are, you know, he can't change the law, and so uh, you can put the the military on the border, you you know, I'll, FAIR has put out some, uh, uh, be, basically some band-aid approaches of what can be done within the constraints of the law to try to uh, regain control of this, and Mexico is stepping up to the plate and is starting to hold some of these asylum applicants in Mexico until they have their hearings. But again, you know, if if the faucet is running, you you can put bucket after bucket, hundred gallon, five hundred gallon, whatever well, here, it is, they're me, all going to fill up.
2: Yeah, let me let me add to that. Um, uh, here here's here's something to think about. They're claiming asylum. It's primarily economic asylum. Uh, they're poor right. and they're starving in their country. And that doesn't Right? What's that? Right.
5: Economic asylum doesn't exist. I mean, in our laws,
2: it doesn't. But that's the right. reason they're doing this, and that's yeah. the reason why the Democrats are, are welcoming them even right. though they don't have a legitimate asylum claim they're talking about it from the standpoint standpoint of their economic conditions here's right. here and that's why they're saying you know Guatemala is one of the poorest nations in the in the world uh you have to allow these people a chance to come and fight for their lives and be able to get fed and blah 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 here's the thing according to the UN uh UN data on GDP per capita gross domestic product per capita do you know that there are 88 nations where the per capita GDP is lower than that of Guatemala which right. stands at four thousand four hundred and seventy one as of uh, dollars as of 2017, that means there's over a billion people living in yep. worse conditions than they're living in in Guatemala. and if the right. left wants to open our borders to the Guatemalans on on you know uh, charitable for charitable reasons and mercy and so on and so forth, we're gonna have to bring a billion more people in and if they request it because they're in worse conditions than that and and that's yeah. exactly why we have to rewrite these laws.
5: Absolutely. Bob, you know what's scary is that Bernie Sanders is the is the voice of reason amongst Democrats on this. Of all people, would you ever I would never think I would be saying Bernie Sanders is the voice of reason, but when he was asked about open borders, which is what some of the Democratic presidential candidates have called for, he said we can't have open borders. The world is full of desperately poor people and we can't take them all, you know, by international standards. Guatemala might be poor by U.S. standards, but by international standards, it's middle class. There's a lot more poor people around the world. And if people are allowed to flee here for economic reasons, then we have opened up a whole uh, new set of problems for ourselves yeah. because the, the, uh, the capacity of the country to accept them is going to, to be uh, far outdone by the number of people who want to come here.
2: No question about that. Uh, Dave Ray, Federation for American Immigration Reform. Dave, keep uh, sounding the alarm. Keep up the great work. Thanks very much for coming on and educating the folks about this.
5: Great hearing from you, my friend. Have a great day.
2: Always a pleasure. Thank you, Dave. Dave Ray. By the way, he's right. It's weird and it's strange and it's goofy to say, but he's right. Bernie Sanders has actually been the only member of the Democrat Party to actually speak with some sort of reason and common sense on this. Uh, literally no other Democrats have said this. Here's Bernie.
4: We were to have open borders in our society today. Um, how would you deal with the social services connected with uh, opening the borders, such as health care, med- medical care, and who do you think
6: is suggested in
4: opening the borders?
6: Well, um, that you're an
4: activist for opening for. No, I'm
6: not. I'm afraid you'd be getting your information wrong. That is not my view. Okay,
4: I apologize. Thank you.
6: I think what we need is comprehensive immigration reform. Yes. That is not simply, you're, you're quite right. If, you, if your point is you open the borders, my God. You know, there's a lot of poverty in this world, and you're going to have people from all over the world.
2: And I I, I don't think that's something that we can do at this point. Can't do it. So that is not my position. So uh, it's reasonable to assume that it would be his position because it's the position of every leftist running for president. Literally, and that is open borders. But yeah, Bernie Sanders said, no, I, I do not believe we can have open borders, and I do not believe we can continue to take in the numbers of, of, of people that we are. And he's 100% right about that. All right, let me get a quick time out of here. We'll come back, and uh, after this uh, uh, quick break, we'll take a few more phone calls. If you want to get back on hold on the abortion issue, or if you want to follow up on this particular immigration issue, that's fine too. But we've got one segment left. Let's make it yours on am 1420 The answer. That's
0: authority.
2: 10.52, final segment of the broadcast uh, this morning on AM 1420, The Answer. It's been a unique one, really. There's a lot of news breaking right now going on around the country, a lot of news coming from Washington, D.C., uh, but I've kind of just focused on what happened last night in the state of Alabama for the most part, largely today, talking about uh, the most restrictive abortion ban in the country passed by the Alabama Senate last night, <laughs> passed by the Alabama House, last week and now it's going to be signed by the governor of alabama who knows maybe as early as today it's an essentially a challenge to roe versus wade they they know this is going to be challenged immediately after the governor signs it uh and then it's going to be it's going to work its way through the appellate courts it'll probably be overturned and then work its way all the way up to the supreme court where it's a uh, it's a challenge to Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade said that unborn children are not persons. They do not deserve the status of personhood. This Alabama law says they are persons, and they can they must be protected as persons. After all, if you kill a pregnant woman in Alabama, you are charged with a double homicide. That means there is a person. There is a second person. So that's what this is, which is going to then, by the way, and I have to bring this up, and then I'll go to your calls. It's going to bring into play now what the Democrats fought so hard to stop last fall. It's going to bring Brett Kavanaugh into play. Why did they fight so hard to stop Brett Kavanaugh from being uh, uh, um, confirmed to the Supreme Court of the United States? Because they were afraid that there's another conservative vote that is going to, when it is challenged, that is going to lead to the overturning of Roe versus Wade. That's what this is all about. Trump got to name two, um, uh, two uh, Supreme Court justices, Gorsuch and now Kavanaugh, and everybody is so deathly afraid that he's going to overturn Roe versus Wade, be the deciding vote. Number one, I don't think they have the votes anyway because John Roberts continues to be more liberal Than conservative and originalist from the court. And second of all, Brett Kavanaugh has been a huge disappointment thus far as far as his conservative credentials as an originalist using the Constitution and as the basis for his votes and his decisions. He is siding with the liberals more than he's siding with the conservatives. And I kind of agree with those who are saying, I think he was really shaken by what happened to him this past fall. He is so afraid of liberals trying to impeach him from the court now, and so afraid of after everything that was done to him and his family, he doesn't want to upset them by being what they feared he would be, which is an originalist. So he's siding with them maybe just to kind of cover his own. So if this does lead to an eventual Roe versus Wade challenge... The Brett Kavanaugh factor is going to be huge. Is he going to be what he's always been, or is he going to be the newfound Brett Kavanaugh that chose? see, I told you I wasn't partisan and biased. Look what I'm doing. Jeff Inchwood, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Jeff, go ahead.
6: Yeah, hi, Bob. On the issue of the incest and rape uh, situation with abortion, I think it's important to look at the situation uh, from the point of view of once that woman has been raped and she's pregnant. Now what? What is the pro and what is the con? Obviously the pro is this woman's been traumatized and we want to end her trauma. But ask yourself, is really the trauma ended by an abortion? The trauma is the rape. The rape will have always happened. If she needs psychological help to get over that, we can understand that. And the truth is, it is difficult for her to carry the baby, no question. But what's the cost of that? You're talking about destroying a life that's totally innocent and you had a caller earlier who was actually a product of such a rape that he himself is a, a man who's a father of, what do you say, six children? Uh, so right I did, there I did not six
2: catch six the water. number. I did not catch the number. You might be right, but I did not take note of that.
6: I think he said he had six children. So there okay. you have that alone. Seven productive, hopefully, lives that that have a life versus the added, like, how do you measure the difference between if the woman got raped and had a an divorce or if she got raped and didn't have the abortion and the baby survived, maybe that that kid ends up being a uh, her pride and joy someday. You know, it's a question of how you look at that. Yeah. You know, people bad things happen to people that are not in their control, and you move on and say, "Well, what can we do about that now? I can't undo it, right?" And that's the point. no, no. You're, you're, you're Jeff. Jeff you're right.
2: You're, you're right. You're right about that. But again, the the the, the real issue here to me is. The mindset of the victim, the mindset of the rape victim or of the uh, uh, incestual rape victim, that's the question. Because some women or young girls are going to be a lot mentally stronger than others, and they'd be able to handle that, and some are not. And the question is: is, do we force them to go through something that they might not be mentally prepared for? Esther in Cleveland. Go ahead, Esther. You're on the air.
3: Thanks. I was thinking of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Different cultures handle tough times differently. Life is not fair. Sometimes it's so horrible. In other cultures, if it gets bad enough, some people will just consider that suicide is better than uh, living with dishonor. And Unwanted babies in ancient times, they were thrown away on trash heaps. I, I don't know if maybe case by case basis, but even when uh, babies are uh, dis, uh, deformed in the uterus, uh, some people who are born with horrible deformities are glad they were given life. So I... It's just- a well, including,
2: including those who were, who were products, as we had a previous caller point out, who was a product of a rape. Uh, you're, you're 100% right. That is the case. I want to read one quick email. I don't normally do emails, but this one just came in uh, this morning, and I wanted to share it from Ken in LaRange Township. for the choice of an abortion with full payment provided by the taxpayers to those who are victimized. We have to show that our humanity towards the woman is paramount. But having said that, we also have to show our humanity toward the unwanted babies. And that, my friend, is exactly the point of the discussion. Thank you, Ken. Thanks to everybody for a great conversation today. We'll
0: see you tomorrow. Enjoy the silence.